And now it's time for the podcast, Sustainable Dad. Hey, it's Duncan here. And uh, I started up this podcast because what I wanted to do, establish a framework for better understanding sustainability. It's a topic I don't know a whole bunch about. And then the other premise for this podcast is to better understand climate change because whilst they're two separate conversations, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive because if we can make ourselves more sustainable, then that is also better for the environment. And this really is like a learning journey. I I don't want to make any formal decisions, but it seems to be the hot topic of conversation. And I'm hoping that through the process of doing this, I can better understand, for instance, what the IPCC is about, which is the UN Intergovernmental Panel for Climate Change. I want to understand for me personally, as a family, as a dad with a family, what it looks like to lower our footprint at home and become more sustainable. It feels like a really big and grand term. And so I'm hoping that through the process of doing this podcast, I might be a little bit better equipped to understand that more. But I also want to share that wisdom because, you know, I get an opportunity to be on Brecky Radio in Sydney, which means that I've got access to a few and very different interviews that maybe you don't have access to. Um, And I want to share that wisdom and share that understanding. So I thought we'd start somewhere cool. Uh, This is a conversation that my co-host Sam and I had on our breakfast show on Hope 103.2 with a film director named Damon Gamow. He has a brand new movie called 2040 and he looks at best practices for addressing climate change and creating sustainability based on only technologies that are available today. I think it's uh, really fantastic and really insightful, and I hope you get a whole lot out of it. So here is Damon Gamow talking about his brand new movie, 2040, featured for the first time on Hope 103.2, but here on this podcast now, Sustainable Dad. Have you ever stopped to think about what the world could be like in the future if we implemented things to save our planet rather than destroy it? Well, award-winning director Damon Gamow has created a movie called 2040, which investigates just that. My name is Damon, and this is my daughter, Velvet. Her major concern right now is the elusive art of sleep direction. But soon, she'll have to face a rapidly deteriorating environment. The ice sheet is now melting faster than the scientists predicted. I think there's room for a different story, a story that focuses on the solutions to some of these problems. So in 2040, what will the world look like for our daughter if we just embrace the best that already exists? Structured as a visual letter to Damon's four-year-old daughter, 2040 shows us what the future could hold if we chose to make sustainable choices that led to real, large-scale change. And he joins us in the studio this morning to talk about it. Good morning, Damon. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So 2040 takes us to uh, the year 2040 if things would change from now, right? Mm. Um, it's a great idea for a movie and especially for that next generation who are going to see it. Mm. What kind of things and research did you have to go to to find out what is going to be there in the future? 
if we do the right things now. Yeah, so I call it an exercise in fact-based dreaming. So anything I show my daughter in 2040 has to exist now. Mm. So it's not this utopian fantasy or an exercise in really bad parenting to say that everything's (laughs) going to be just fine. And uh, I worked with a researcher for eight months and I I probably spoke to more than 100 different scientists and academics um, from around the world just to get a sense of what solutions did exist Mm. and then started to narrow them down. And, And really the solutions... I guess the ones we chose had to have cascading benefits. So it wasn't just a a silver bullet solution. It were things that were going to strengthen community, uh, improve the quality of our food, empower uh, girls and women, whatever it might be. It wasn't just about, right, how do we save the environment and get this carbon out of the atmosphere? It was how else can we actually fundamentally change the way we interact with each other and the planet by creating this new reality? And and really, the more I went on, I, I think the film tries to reframe our current crisis as an opportunity. It's, it's actually feedback that we're getting to say, what you're doing isn't working. You're destroying and destabilizing society and the, you're ruining the planet. Here's an opportunity. It's like going to the doctor and you're really sick and he says you're really sick, but do you want to get better? Because here's the things you can do. And I feel like that's the narrative that needs to emerge right now is the solutions one that says, hey, guys, here's, here's our chance. What are we going to do? Are we going to destroy ourselves or are we actually going to turn and create a much better planet and for every living thing? As fellow dads, I felt like as I was watching the movie, this kind of real strong sense of legacy, you know, mm-hmm. like two little kids. What is the world that they're going to grow up into? Um was it challenging as you're doing this movie on sustainability to find these technologies that could change the trajectory of planet Earth? The short answer is no. And that was um, both disturbing and exciting because we actually have everything we need to save the planet. We're just not giving attention to the right things. We're so caught up on the histrionics and the drama and the petulance of our politics or our society. And we're not actually giving credence to solutions and people that are doing wonderful things. And that kind of was a little bit upsetting, actually. Um, but I, I started this project because I did feel this sense of overwhelm and the constant stories that are out there about how bad things are and how bad the future is going to be. Mm. And I just think that's you know, too much of that is not how we respond as humans. We need to hear solutions. We need to hear hope. We need to focus on things that are going to make our world better, especially when you've got families. So um, I really spent the last three years just trying to find those solutions. I spent eight months researching those solutions to put the film together. And like I said, it was really heartened to see how many great things are out there and how many wonderful humans are trying to solve this problem, but they're just not getting the, uh, the attention they deserve. Mm. There's an adage that goes... Um People won't change unless the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. Mm. And I think that felt true as I was watching this documentary is that I was going, uh, my assumption right from the beginning was, okay, well, we just need to lower CO2 emissions. But one of the Mm. things you uncork right at the beginning is, no, we also have to get rid of all the stuff that's already there. And it's not just on land and in the air. It's actually also in the sea. And you put forward this really radical narrative for what what could society look like if we moved to, and this is the most magical word in the dictionary, a donut-shaped society, (laughs) which is literally my favorite baked treat of all time. But I, I think it's a really important yeah. narrative for how we, we need to approach life. Can you unpack that donut-shaped kind of culture yeah, so that we need um, to move to? There's a, yeah, there's a, a UK economist named Kate Rayworth, and she's got quite a bit of notoriety recently for a book called Donut Economics. 
And it basically says that our current system is completely linear. So it just says we have this expectation of constant growth, endless growth. But there's no ceiling on that. Well, where are we going? We've only got a limited amount of resources on the planet. We actually can't keep growing. And there's some really interesting stats um, from the European Research Institute that say that we're using at the moment about 90 billion metric tonnes of resources. And that's minerals and metals and livestock and logging. And our sustainable level is 50 billion. So we're already almost double what yeah. we're using every year on the planet. And by 2050, that prediction is 180 billion metric tonnes. So that's actually impossible. That wipes out every living thing on the planet. So we actually need to find ways of putting boundaries on our use. And so her notion is to say we can still have growth and we can still have um, creativity and individual and innovation. That's all important. But if we cross a boundary that's going to destroy the planet, an alarm should go off that we all know about that says, okay, we've reached that limit. Whether it's using pesticides on the soils, whether it's um, acidity of the ocean, these things are all crossed their boundaries already. Mm. And the same goes for society, that if we reach a point where there's so much income inequality that's starting to destabilize our cultures, which it is arguably around the world, again, an alarm should go off to say, hang on, this is not the way we want to go. So it's just putting some boundaries, like raising a child. You know, you can't just let them run wild, which is kind of what we've done with the markets, I think, for especially the last 30 years. Yeah. And, and we've let them say, oh, we'll fix it. The market will fix it. Well, it just hasn't. We've seen that with um, the, the GFC. We've seen it with climate change. We actually do need to put some parameters on. And it's not to say we're going to have this high regulated, you know, imposing government everywhere, but just to have some awareness of the limits to our growth. I like that. I find it fascinating this movie is coming out a week after an election where climate change is a huge issue mm. for, for so many voters. Tell us about, so so the movie looks at the future, 2040, how things could change. And and now I see, you know, kids who are rallying, taking time off school mm. to, to, to fight for, for the future. Mm. Is it possible to make changes now that are, like, is it too late Tell us what, you, what you've discovered. You mean environmentally-wise? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, look, the, the recent IPCC report in uh, October sort of said that we need to get really busy in the next 10 to 12 years to halve our emissions if we're going to stay under 1.5 degrees. So that's, you know, that's it. But there are already um, species that are facing their apocalypse right now. I mean, the, the, the monarch butterfly is 97% down on its numbers. We lost one-third of our flying fox population on one day last year in Australia. One-third because of the excess heat. So there's already dire circumstances going on for many of our species. So we can't wait for 10 years. We've got to get going straight away. But the reason these kids are, are marching and taking to the streets is because they actually, and we've noticed this on our Q&As, they are so articulate with what's going on. They know exactly the, the, the seriousness of this issue and their frustration comes from the lack of support from the, our leaders and the adults who don't see the urgency because they're not necessarily going to be around for some of the, the world that these kids are inheriting. So mm. I completely empathise with them and I see, again, there's a, there's a precedent in history here that we look at the, um, the suffragettes, the women that took to the streets to march and all the men in society said and the leaders, even the US president said, no sensible woman wants to vote. Get off the streets, you know. Mm. You go back to the abolitionists, 60 years before slavery ended. Everyone said it was a utopian fantasy to think that the economy would ever survive without slaves. And look what happened. And now we've got our kids marching and our leaders are saying, go back to school. You don't know what you're talking about. There's something going on here. There is a groundswell moving right around the world. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to look back to this moment as quite a pivotal time in history. I thought it was extraordinary as I was watching. It was like simple stuff where I was like, how am I this stupid? Honestly, because I, mm. you, you do one section where you're talking with a farmer who basically says, no, what you need to do is plant a whole bunch of things in the grand <laughs> to improve the soil. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you know what? That does make sense. <laughs> yeah. But you don't think of it, right? No. You're like, no, nah, plow it, get it empty, put it where you need to do it. And he's like, no, 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 you just plant a whole bunch of stuff yeah. and that'll actually bring back the worms and improve soil. Yeah. And then you say it later on, well, we've got issues in the in the ocean. Mm. So what we need to do is pr- plant brown seaweed. Mm. And then that's going to do something extraordinary in the ocean as well. I'm like, how are we missing that's right. the simple mm. stuff? Well, it just shows how disconnected we've become from our own environment. And that's, you know, that's a story that's been told probably since the scientific revolution. If you look pre then, a lot of cultures talked about being custodians of the land or the Chinese referred to them as reverent guests of the land, a giving parent. Then you get the scientific revolution. The language really changes. It's about conquering and extracting Mm. and dominating. And I think since then, we've really seen ourselves from separate as it. So it makes sense that we don't understand the complexities of the soil and how, you know, trees communicate to each other under the ground. I mean, it's magical stuff, mm. but we now just focus on the new royal baby or we focus on the latest Trump tweet. You know, this yeah. is this is how far away we've become from, and again, while these kids are marching, they're saying, guys, our planet's on fire. Like, the house is burning down mm. and you guys are just whistling out in the front yard and, and oblivious to it. This is why we need people to start focusing on this stuff and know that it deeply matters. This is the foundation of our civilization, the soils and the sea. Mm. If we don't get those right, as history again has told us, civilizations collapse so this is our moment we've got to focus on it i think you've hit something there that i hadn't really thought about till now is that the new, the way the new cycle works is you do focus on today yep. what's happening right now mm. thinking forward ahead <laughs> is something that i think maybe the next generation are going to do they're already doing it and, yeah. and, that's, and again you look at the political cycle it's all about now we've been trying to get people to say to both you know both our leaders or uh, what's your 2040? Like, what's mm. your vision for? What's the long-term vision for this country? Because leaders used to do that in the past. They used to say, "Right, we're going to take you out," but we don't anymore. Mm. We often talk about protecting and building walls, and there's the enemy over there, and we'll keep you safe. That's a very different narrative to uh, visioning and dreaming. For the first time, our local primary school has set up a sustainability council made mm. up of parents, um, because one of the members was like, "What are we doing to be more sustainable?" and what we found as we started to do this was that the local council can actually do a sustainability audit for you. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can bring into the equation. One of the things I learned that I put forward in this sustainability council came out of your movie, which was the sustainability boards that you found in is it a US school, Oberlin. Oberlin, the eco dashboards. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so all they do is just make the invisible visible. So it shows up around this, this one community in their local um, cafes and the library and the hotels. They've put up these dashboards of how the city are using their resources. So whether it's electricity or water, it's displayed for all public, uh, on, on, in the public so that you know that you're contributing to the collective. If you're, you know, if, if there's a level there that's that's showing, you know what, I've got to use a little less water today because the town actually is a bit low today. So it just makes everything transparent. And the school kids have really connected to it. And there's about six schools in that community that do it now. They actually compete for an eco Olympics. So every year, <laughs> there's the first prize awarded to the school that's used the least amount of energy for that that year. So again, it's taking our competitive instincts but using it for good and actually again so we show in the film that by 2040 imagine if these screens are around our cities and they show what the city's meat consumption is for that day so you know whether to have a little or a lot or how much energy is being used it just suddenly makes reminds you that you're part of a bigger picture and you're all in this together instead of this sort of individual use that this current system really um, uh, I guess amplifies in us. This movie is coming out uh, this week and people across Australia are going to go into cinemas and see it what is your main hope that those who have seen the movie as they leave the cinema mm. do? 
So yeah, what's really exciting is we've teamed up with a range of different organizations around the world. And if you go to our website, which is whatsyour2040.com, you can actually hit a button that says activate your plan. And you get asked a series of questions about the type of person you are, what your interests are, what you resonated with in the film, how much time you have available. And we'll give you six or seven things that you can do right there and then on your own or with your family, um, with your community, in a school, whatever your preference is. There's just points of action that people can take because I think we've, we've sort of reached that moment where we're not getting the leadership we want around this issue that we actually need to step up and be the leaders ourselves and show it to your school, show it to your workplace or, your, or your, in your office or your community. So that's just giving people those tools to actually get involved and, and create, help create this better future for our kids. Damon, I really appreciated this movie. Um, I didn't feel like it was preachy. I felt like you, you laid out a roadmap and said, you know, actually there are some simple steps that we can take. And even with um, what's your 2040, like, hey, mm. there's some really simple things that you can do at home. Mm. Um, but as I watched the movie, I did realize that the reality of the future is not all that bright. Because there's still dorky dads that are going to be yeah, present. That's right. Yeah. So um, there's this really great moment where um, you get introduced to older Damon. And <laughs> right. Yeah. Older Damon's wife. I was actually just prepping my daughter for the yeah. reality of what she's going to expect. Yeah. And he is, he's gone full Dorkosaurus Rex. Yeah. And I could not have enjoyed any more the yoga that yeah. you guys, the yeah. couple's yoga was... Yeah. mesmerizing what about the golf dad moustache that I went for did you Stunning. notice that I made my wife look really beautiful in yeah. The, yeah and I thought this is how I look after her but I'll take the hit for the team <laughs> it was remarkable thank, thank you good. very much yes all rise dorky dads will be a part of 2040 <laughs> can I ask too because uh, you mentioned to me earlier that there's um, you, you're going around in this press tour to mm. schools yeah, so we've been, I've done 19 Q&As of 45, so just over halfway, and we've gone right around the country, and we've been doing two screenings a night with Q&As with special guests on, on the panel, and the, and the cinema's been full of kids, which has been lovely, but we've also done um, one or two school visits uh, most days as well, which has been uh, exhausting, but really that's where my spirits lift and where the hope is, because the kids are asking far better questions than the adults ever did, and they're really switched on and articulate and passionate about this stuff and that's again where we should be encouraging them because they're just they're going to lead this change you know and it's very exciting fantastic well go along and see 2040 it's in cinemas this thursday it is this thursday and can i just add too that um, we've just um, heard from palace cinemas if you can get to a palace that they've they're going to give every child school-aged child a ticket for free on the opening weekend if they come with their parents so they're really trying to get kids to see the film so they're going to you can go to the movies for free which is a lovely gesture how good is that? Excellent. Fantastic. Right. Thanks, mate. Damon Gamow, thanks for joining us on Hope Breakfast. My pleasure. Thanks.